biology that we would like you to learn in this little presentation is going to start here. Here's a magnification of some biological objects uh, that uh, is shared in Wikimedia. I want you to guess what these are and the hint that I am giving you is that flowers make them. So while they look like little brains with a kind of a brain stem or a spinal cord attached to me, uh, that's not what they are. They're something much smaller. And that's one of the keys for this presentation is we want you to be able to think small and connect it to things that you are bigger and we can see them with our naked eyes. So we want you to uh, understand the the biological connection between genes, chromosomes, these things, and flowers with this presentation. So this is my organizer for this presentation. Uh, we're going to kind of review what you should know about flower structure by going through this, this uh, Journey of a Gene app. We want you to then think about how a plant breeder manipulates uh, flowers predicts gene inheritance and then uses that to justify and plan their crossing methods. So we're going to start with uh, these two. Okay, this is a review. Uh, from the animation we learned that the flower is a highly organized part of the plant and it's got specific reproductive structure. So the stamen is the male part of the plant, so, so the anther part of the stamen is where the sex cells or gametes, these are cells that have the special role of being involved in reproduction. So what will a plant breeder do if they're going to use uh, this flower as a male? They'll remove that, that uh, stamen uh, when it's shedding pollen and then they will introduce it to the female part of another flower. Okay, so we call that female the pistil and so the key is, is for for the breeder to bring the sex cells from the male together uh, to where the sex cells of the female parent are at. And so if we uh, think about it, the pollen that was added will carry the male genes and their chromosomes uh, down to where the female gametes that will have the female genes and chromosomes are. So the flower structure is designed to support sexual reproduction and the development of the next generation, the seed. Alright, so you can probably guess what these are now. Yeah, these are pollen, the male sex cells, the male gametes, and inside the pollen would be a nucleus that would have all the male or one copy of every chromosome from that species, that plant species, and then the genes that are part of that chromosome. Okay, so uh, flower structure and then the manipulation of that to make a controlled cross. So now we need to think about gene inheritance. So you're going to see where a lot of you will say, oh, I've been learning this in my biology class and I can see where it can be applied to what the plant breeder is doing. So let's start here. What am I showing you a picture of? Yeah, this is DNA and so the letters here would represent stretch of DNA that we designate as a gene. This would be a stretch of DNA sequences that tell the cell how to make a certain protein. So we're going to just designate uh, that this gene, we'll call it the little e version 
of a particular plant gene, the same chromosome, it's a big, big molecule. So it also has another gene here. We'll call it the little G gene. And we'll, we'll get back to the E and the G genes later in this presentation. So let's remember what a genetic engineer does who's a transformation specialist. What they do is take a gene that could come from any other living thing, we'll call it the F gene. In this case, we'll say this is a gene that helps the plant fight off disease. So we'll use the big F for a disease-fighting ability. That's the transgene because it came from some other place. And what does the genetic transformation specialist need to do? Yes, they need to get that gene introduced. And we've learned about one method uh, where you use natural genetic engineering uh, to introduce this F gene into the same chromosome that already has many other genes, such as the little e and the little g. That's what the genetic engineer, who is a transformation specialist, has to accomplish. OK, so now we got to remember that they do these in plant cells where these chromosomes are in pairs. So while one of the chromosomes would have uh, gotten this new gene, this big F introduced, the other chromosome doesn't have it yet. Okay, So this is a, a plant that we'd call uh, hemizygous, if you'd like to use the technical terms, terms, or we could even call it heterozygous. So now we're going to think about this just the way a geneticist would. Okay, We're going to designate the, this cell, and then if this divides into an entire plant, this plant uh, and give it the genotype big F, little f. What that means is that in every one of its cells it's got this transgene, but it also carries a chromosome that doesn't have the transgene. So we're using the little f to designate that. Okay, so here I have a question. Do you remember, do transformation scientists have a greenhouse? The answer is yes, they do, because they need to make sure that the plants they generate can sexually reproduce. And, and when they do that, uh, they can get offspring from this big F, little f plant. So let's move ahead and take a look at one type of offspring they could get. They could get offspring uh, in the seeds from the plants in their greenhouse that have t chromosomes that each have a copy of this big F transgene. Okay, So we would call that a big F, big F homozygous uh, genotype. That's the goal of the genetic engineer, is to obtain this homozygous transgenic plant. And then who are they going to pass it off to next? That's correct. They're going to pass it off to the plant breeder. So now we're ready to take a look at, at uh, how the breeder will work with these plants. Okay, So I've drawn out a diagram here, this series of squares. And you're going to see where I'm, that's going to help me organize my thinking the way a plant breeder would think. Okay, so the plant they got from the transformation specialist that carries the transgene, we're calling big F, big F, because we're just interested in how these genes are being passed on. And then the plants that are their good elite varieties don't have the transgene, so they're little f, little f. So that's the first cross they'll make. All right, so there was a scientist named Punnett who was one of the first geneticists who followed up on, on Mendel, Gregor Mendel's ideas of how that genes exist and they, they control the traits that he was observing in his pea plants. Punnett discovered that he could apply the same ideas 
that Mendel discovered to the organisms and the traits that he was working with. But what Punnett liked to do is use this series of squares to predict how the genes were going to be inherited. So what Mendel said is that genes are in pairs in somatic cells, in all the cells that make up um, the body of a multicellular organism, but then when the sex cells, the gametes are made, those pairs split. Okay, so we remember our pollen. The pollen won't carry both big F's, just one. Okay, if this was our male parent, we would then show that the gametes just carry one F gene, the big F. If this is our female parent, then the same thing's going to happen in the female gametes, those pair genes split. Okay, and then the way the gametes come together is random. So the square diagram takes care of that for us. Just shows us all the combinations. So in the case of this first cross, only one combination that can be made. Big F, little f. Every uh, seed produced from this controlled cross that the breeder would make between the transgenic parent and their elite variety will be big F, little f. Okay, So they'll select those plants and then they will continue the breeding process. So we're going to see the next cross they make is what's called a back cross. They take the offspring, cross them back to the elite variety. So in your brain, go ahead and make a prediction. How many kinds of gametes will the female uh, make here, or the, the uh, elite parent? How many kinds of gametes will this parent that has the transgene, we'll call it the donor parent, make? Yeah, so if you're mentally filling this Punnett square, this is what you would have come up with. And then the gametes, once they get made, they can randomly come together in the controlled cross. And we can see we get two different kinds of offspring. It's the offspring that have the transgene that the breeder would be interested in. So then at some point they'll take these offspring and then they'll do what's called a self-pollination. In the case of soybean or a plant with a perfect flower, they can let it self-pollinate. And so now we can use our Punnett square here and we can see this is where they would get the homozygous offspring that have the transgene on both chromosome and will always pass on the transgene. Uh, they could get these other combinations as well. Alright, so we can use these Punnett squares to predict the expected outcome from any cross and we're using Mendel's principles when we do that. Okay, so predicting gene inheritance is something we want to be able to do. Now we want to justify crossing methods. Okay, so if you remember from uh, learning about the work of our plant breeder, they do a series of these back crosses where they cross the donor parent that has a transgene with the recurrent parent which is the elite variety. We want to understand why the, the breeder does that. And so now I'm going to, in order to help us understand that, I'm going to bring in those E genes and G genes that I talked about when we first introduced the idea that genes are on chromosomes here. So, so the, the variety that was transformed to get the big F gene had the, the little e and the little g versions of this gene, but the elite variety has the big E and the big G versions. So if we think about all the genes being passed on, uh, this would be the genotype of the F1, and then when we back cross, uh, we're going to see that we, don't, we get a number of different combinations of genes being passed on from the two parents. 
So, but every combination is a result of thinking about that Punnett square that we went through. Uh, if we cross big E little e with big E big E, you know, we get two different genotypes. Big F little F with little F little F, two genotypes. Big G little G with big G big G, two genotypes if you draw the Punnett square. So if we think about the overall combinations, yeah, half of them have the big F little F, half of them have the little F little F, but if we can get those same uh, two combinations at every gene pair, that gives us all of these different genotype combinations that we would get if we just think about these three pairs of genes that are different between the two parents. Eight different combinations. Now we can see where sexual reproduction generates lots of different genetic variation, genetic combinations, because of the way genes are passed on. Now the breeder is not going to be interested in all of these plants, right? They're going to eliminate those that don't have the transgene, all right? And then they want lines that are the same genotype as the recurrent or elite parent, so they're going to they would be able to eliminate more. In fact, there's only one that has a gene combination that is as close as possible to what they want, where they have the elite variety that's got, also got the transgene, one out of eight. And if the breeder was, you know, worked hard enough, they, they could identify this, one out of eight. So let's do just a little bit of math to see why we got eight combinations. Okay, there's three different gene pairs and and uh, half the offspring would have one genotype in this particular cross, half would have a different genotype. And so one half to the third power, since there's three different gene pairs, gives us one half times one half times one half, or one eighth is the frequency of the genotype that has the combination that we would most prefer. One half to the third. So what if we recognize that there's not just three gene pairs that are different between the parents. The, the donor parent and the recurrent or the elite parent may have dozens or even hundreds of gene pairs in which there's a difference between uh, what the, the parent has that's got the transgene, in this case the big F, and the variety that's already been proven to be a good variety for farmers to grow. Well, if there's more genetic differences, the probability in one cross of finding what you want becomes very, very low because there's all of these gene pairs that are different. You know, you'd have one half to a much bigger number, which would, would give you a much lower probability, a really small chance that in one back cross you're going to be able to generate and then find the, the uh, genotype that the breeder would most prefer. So what does a plant breeder do when there's a very low probability of getting it with this one cross? That's why they do this backcrossing scheme. So in backcrossing, what it does is it starts to increase the average occurrence of the variety that has the combination of genes that they want from the recurrent parent. So instead of finding that one rare type, they can more or less select an average plant and it'll be genetically very close to the genetic makeup of the elite parent, 
but it can also carry the transgene. So the backcrossing just increases the chance that they're going to get to the breeding goal that they're looking for.